Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show where I welcome Dr. Michael 
Sistsma. And Dr. Michael is a licensed professional counselor, certified sex therapist, and certified professional counseling supervisor. He is also an ordained minister with the Wesleyan Church, and he received his PhD specializing in marital sexual therapy with an original research dissertation on sexual desire discrepancy in married couples. And you might have guessed it. That's where we start. We talk about all things sex and a large portion of the show about desire and discrepancy, how it shows up, what exactly desire is, the difference between desire and arousal, how to communicate around sex, and so much more. So if you're looking to have a better sex life, this episode is certainly for you. Whether you're in a relationship, a marriage, or you're single and dating, these are tools that you want to have. And I always enjoy talking about this because I think it's so valuable. And the communication stuff can be applied to all things in our relationships, not just communicating around sex. So as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in, for leaving those five-star reviews. You know, some of you may be listening on Spotify. We have close to 1,500 reviews on iTunes and just a few hundred on Spotify because we got on Spotify much later. So if you enjoy listening to our show and you're on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're at, if you just take a couple minutes to leave us a review, we really, really appreciate that and enjoy today's show. Hi, Dr. Mike. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much, Chase. I appreciate being here. Today, we're going to talk about your new book, Secrets of Sex and Marriage. And a lot of research went into this book. A lot of research is referenced. And I thought a good place for us to start would be having you maybe explain a little bit about how this book came together. And then we'll dive into some of the exciting things that, that you guys are putting together to help people improve their relationships. Thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, this book is co-authored with Shanti Feldan, and she uh, does research projects and then writes them up. Uh, had just recently completed one on money in marriage, which is she did an excellent job with, and reached out to me and said, uh, if we've talked about one of the big rocks in marriage, let's talk about the other one. Would you be willing to work with me? on a project on sex and marriage and some of the surprises, surprising truths that would make a big difference in couples. And we set about and did uh, four different research studies as a part of this. Um, two of them nationally representative samples, meaning they reflect 2018 census data in terms of age, where people live, uh, faith, uh, race and ethnicity, uh, we worked really hard at getting them to match what uh, is national. Um, my PhD came from University of Georgia, considered a tier one research institution, took seven courses, doctoral courses in research and methodology. So I can get kind of picky about some of that. And um, we got back uh, 502 matched pair couples, meaning uh, these are married couples. The surveys were anonymous to each of them. So a husband takes a survey, the wife doesn't know what he answers, and the wife takes one. 
He doesn't know what she answers, but we are able to tie them together to know who's married to who. That allows us to ask questions of the husband. What does your wife think? And ask the wife what she really thinks. And get some really fascinating information on how well they know each other. And then we have 1,100 people that uh, are married, but we don't have their spouse data uh, in a second survey. And then another one was called a convenient sample. It's people that were coming to uh, workshops, retreats, um, to talks on marriage. And um, we asked them to take uh, the debt surveys as well. And that gives us a, uh, a higher distressed group to work from. Uh, but they do not come close to matching uh, the census data. So those those surveys bring us um, some really rich information as we ask some specific questions on sex within marriage. So you mentioned surprising truths. So I'm going to dive into some of the specifics you talk about desire, communication in the book. What are some of the surprising truths that you guys find through this research? I think one of the things that stood out um, most to, it's probably the greatest surprise when people start listening to what we found, is the differences in types of desire. Uh, As a certified sex therapist, I've got about 2,400 hours of formal training in sex therapy and have worked for about 30 years as a sex therapist listening to tens of thousands of hours of story. So for us as sex therapists, this isn't horribly surprising, but uh, for the general public to learn that there are different kinds of sexual desire. Um, In the book, we talk about a initiating type of desire, a type of desire that's, you know, you're sitting in the car and it's in drive. And even without your foot on the gas, it's just kind of slowly inching forward. Uh, You almost have to put the brakes on in order for it to not go anywhere. And uh, we kind of think that's the type of sexual desire that is identified most commonly in the media. Uh, You see a couple sitting across from each other and their eyes light up and and they reach out and begin to pursue and initiate with each other. And um, they both really want this. And most of the couples that come to see me as a clinician or those that um, show up at workshop seminars uh, are pretty clear that that's not um, how it tends to go in their relationship. And to point out to them that a initiating type of desire is only one type of desire. Um, There are a host of reasons for biologically for that initiating type of desire. It tends to be a bit more common in males. If we ask the question, you know, do you experience desire before any arousal? Um, most men will say that they do, while most women tell us that that's not how it works for them. And older men will tell us the same kind of a thing. Um, if we ask, so are there times where you choose to get engaged and you're aware that your body's getting aroused and this feels good to you, and then the desire shows up? When we ask that question, most women will tell us, yeah, that's that's usually my experience, that it may be five minutes into the process before desire shows up on the stage for us. And we call that a receptive type of desire. And that's a very normal type of desire. Um, and, and our just asking uh, couples what they feel is most common for them uh, 
73% of wives, 73.1, said that that receptive type of desire tends to be most typical for them. Um, and just the awareness that those two types of healthy, normal desires exist tends to be a surprise for uh, a lot of people, for a lot of couples. There's also a resistant kind of desire that shows up in a small number of people where it's kind of like they've got the brakes on. But the receptive desire in the car analogy is they're kind of in neutral. Um, they don't have the brakes on, but they're not in drive. And it takes a, some external type of energy to get them moving forward, to get them to drop into drive and getting them to the place that they want to move forward. And uh, I spent a lot of time talking with my couples about seduction. How do we draw people into that forward-moving space? Um, but that the different types of desire exist is probably one of the biggest surprises for couples. I want to dive into this. There's so much here. So <laughs> obviously, that's a big thing. If You mentioned men tend to be an initiating type of desire and women Correct. receptive. So just the fact that those are two very different approaches. I'd like to talk about those differences and how they can create problems and how we can navigate it. First, can you define the differences in between desire and arousal? Um, that, that's a really good question that is being wrestled with in the sexology field. Um, of, you know, Where does one stop and the other one begin? In which order do they kind of go in? Because for arousal, there is both a physiological arousal where the parasympathetic nervous system is involved and is prompting um, blood flow and, you know, we're getting flushed and uh, we begin to feel our body is shifting and feel some excitement. Um, that's more of a, a physical type of arousal, but there's also a subjective type of arousal where I am feeling aroused just in my spirit, that the energy is there for you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And those can be even very different. Often that subjective or emotional um, thought-based type of arousal is very similar to desire. Um, you know, I'll often use the example of, uh, let's say, chocolate. Uh, somebody might not have thought about chocolate all day, um, but if I began to talk about chocolate or they smell it, and um, we began thinking about it. Now the desire might have turned on. Um, and that's more receptive type versus the individual who walks in thinking there's got to be chocolate in this building someplace. Um, that's going to be more the initiating type. Once we've smelled it and our, our mouth starts to water and we're craving it, that's where we would probably say there is some arousal. But you're right, the, the, the line gets kind of blurry in those at times. And part of what we're encouraging people to be aware of is it may take a bit more physical arousal. We may have to choose to engage in the process before that strong subjective arousal and what we often think of as desire um, is more present to where it's like, don't you dare stop. I'm enjoying this um, is kind of the desire that we're looking for. So how can a couple navigate a, a few different things, but let's start with maybe what is the most common and disruptive is uh, a discrepancy in desire where, where one person wants it more than the other. 
I, I think our media and, um, you know, the fantasy types of stories tend to show couples where both have an initiating type of desire, where she glances at him across the room and she just wants his clothes off. Um, she wants to engage. And we get an idea that that's normal. That's how it should be. And quite honestly, we all want to be wanted. Uh, we all want to be desired. But when we ask couples, again, we're asking them what is predominantly most like you at this point in time. And um, that's probably an important little caveat to put in here is, is we don't, just because I might tend to be more initiating type of desire right now doesn't mean that I always will be or always have been. Just because I'm more receptive right now doesn't mean I always will be or always have been. Um, it depends sometimes on age. What else is going on in life? It can depend on the state of our relationship, uh, what's happening with me physiologically. So that does shift a little bit, but we do tend to have at large seasons of life um, a more predominant type. And we like to think that most couples are going to both be initiating. And yet our research showed us that uh, only about 10% of couples uh, both report that they are predominantly initiating in their type of desire. So that's only one in 10 uh, couples where they fit what we tend to see as the stereotype. Uh, if we look at the most common, we've got um, right about 60% of couples where one is the initiator and the other is receptive, which is, as you identified, uh, what most couples are distressed about. Um, I want to, I am initiating, and, and my spouse, whether it be the husband or the wife, um, is not very open to it. They're not seeking it out with me. What does that mean about us? What does it mean about the relationship? And part of what we're encouraging them to understand is that may just be how they're wired at this point in time. Um, they may be more receptive, which means they may have to choose to engage um, in an environment that's safe to choose to engage and allow their, their bodies to kind of warm up. Uh, fortunately, like we said, less than about 4% of individuals are resistant. Um, so you're usually not running into somebody who has the brakes on, um, but you're probably running into somebody that you need to maybe up your game. And how do I, what tactics can I use that would help them to drop into drive that would get them experiencing some desire? So if you tend to be the initiating spouse, you're probably going to be um, reaching out more often. If your spouse is a receptive, um, they're probably not going to be reaching out. And so rather than get bent out of shape or punish them or withdraw or all the things we tend to do when we aren't getting what we want, uh, I invite spouses to take on the challenge accepted. Uh, I can figure out how to draw you into a space that you would want to engage with me that the receptive desire kicks in. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. If you're tuning into today's show, you're probably aware that mental health and relationship challenges are a part of life, but they don't have to define you and you're not alone. If you've ever wished that you could join a conversation with an expert and call into a show in a similar vein as relationship advice, here's an opportunity for you. If you're navigating something messy, call the Dr. John Deloney Show. 
His show recently hit top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts and for a good reason. With a PhD in counseling and two decades of experience sitting with people, Dr. Deloney brings practical advice on how to connect with others, face depression, overcome anxiety, and find true wellness. This caller-driven show tackles real-life issues from relationships to emotional well-being. Dr. Deloney walks alongside people just like you as they navigate tough decisions. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Send your questions, leave a voicemail at 844-693-3291 or email askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. They want to talk to you. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy... No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code I do when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. I think this leads us into another one of the topics that we wanted to talk about, and that's communication, because this all kind of plays out on a subconscious, semi-conscious level, right? Like, it seems like these desires are physiologically built into us, and, and they change as we age, and media and culture impact it, but it does seem like a deeper biological basis for these things. We think so, Chase, and, and if we can take just a bit of a rabbit trail, um, some of it depends a bit on, uh, like I say, where we're at in the relationship and where we are phys- physically. You know, a, a woman who has just given birth, for example, is going to be um, barely maybe into that receptive desire often just because that's where her body is at. And some of it is just how intense our own desire is. You know, we don't understand sexual desire very well. Uh, we don't understand why some people tend to have a very high sexual desire. 
um, and why some people tend to have a very low sexual desire. And, and we really struggle with how to, to raise or lower it. We don't understand direction either, why some people are are find their sexual desire attracted to certain body types um, or to certain types of individuals or certain things. We, we just don't understand that very well. And we don't, we're not able to shift it well. But when we step back and look at couples, we tend to see that one, one spouse is um, a higher drive individual and one spouse tends to be a bit of a lower drive individual. And um, that plays in sometimes with the initiating receptive piece as well. We ask couples, um, who's the highest drive individual in your marriage? And most of the times, both husbands and wives said that the husband was at about 60% of uh, marriages, um, right around, uh, it was interesting, of the husbands, 20% of the husbands said, my wife is the higher uh, desire, higher drive individual in our marriage. Well, almost 30% of wives said, I am. Um, so there was a pretty big discrepancy there. And right about 14, 15% of couples said, no, we're pretty evenly matched. What was fascinating, Chase, is we, we stepped back and we actually then tested them to see who is the, the higher drive, the higher desire individual versus the lower one. And 22% of the couples came back saying that they experienced the same level of sexual desire. And that was far higher than either the husbands or the wives believed. And one of our takeaways was we're closer than we think we are. We're more alike than we think we are. Um, and or to put it in a more negative term, maybe we're not as far apart as we think. Um, right about 27% of the couples, the wife was the higher drive individual. And um, if we've been seeing that number creep up a bit over time, but those are unique individuals where the wife is saying, why doesn't he, he want me? Um, I thought all men were always wanting sex. And about half of the couples, the husband was the higher uh, drive individual. Um, and that plays into the initiating receptive confusion at times as well, which brings us to what you're just saying, the ability to communicate about these. Uh, if couples can communicate better or more effectively around desire, I think we see couples learning that way. We're not as far apart as we thought we were. And that is a dramatic shift that I work for in my office. And some pretty cool things happen when we see that shift occur. How can we create that shift, create that awareness in that communication? And then what are some practical tools for two people that are wanting to connect sexually, but from two very different approaches, if we go with the initiating and the receptive desires? So how this plays out often in my office um, is I'm sitting across from a couple and um, let's say they're the 50 in the 50 percent of couples and he's the higher drive individual. And um, I look up and I say, well, if it were totally up to you about how often would you like to engage in sexual activity with your with your wife? And the most common answer I get from husbands is two to three times a week. And I look over at the wife and I say, if it were totally up to you about how often would you feel good about engaging in sexual activity with your husband? The most common answer I get from wives is one to two times a week. And I look at them and I say, you know, guys, there's not much difference between two and two. Um, 
And that's the data that came back when we asked. Um, wives, most of the wives, the average for them was that they would feel good about having sex a little bit more than one time per week, a little less than two times per week, somewhere in that range, where the guys were saying um, two to three times per week. Um, and often the high desire spouse will look at the low desire spouse at this point and go, wait, what? You want it how often? If that's how often you want it, why aren't we having it that often? And I like to interrupt him at that point and point out that that is the right question. Because the question that generally brings him into therapy is what's wrong with my spouse? Or what's wrong with me that we don't have sex as much as I would like to have it? You know, there's there's got to be something wrong with, with both of us here or either of us here. And when they realize, wait, we're not that far apart. And neither of us are having sex as often as we would like, which the research is extremely clear on that fact that couples, um, their actual versus their ideal, there's a pretty big difference in it. And when they can look and say, wait, neither of us are getting it as much as we want. Now they move to the same side of the table and they can start to process and problem solve what's getting in the way of both of us getting what we want. And it may be that, you know, I just don't feel very connected to you and I need to feel connected in order to, to get naked and playful. Or it may be that one of them says, you know, the, the thing you've been doing, um, just it, it wounds me, it kind of shuts me down. Or it may be that, you know, we're really too busy and we're not prioritizing time together. Uh, we need to prioritize some time together. But they, they, and as they're talking about it, they engage in problem solving what's getting in the way of both of us not getting what we want. You mentioned earlier the word seduction, and it seems like what you're saying here and what I've read before and what I've experienced is most of seduction doesn't come in the bedroom, you know, when you're seducing your partner and being sexy, like in the the very overt way of we're about to have sex. It's connecting <laughs> right. over the breakfast table and having a deep, meaningful conversation because that's what makes maybe someone feel more connected to their partner. And then that's going to help create more desire. Exactly. You know, there's an aspect of desire that is a bit more animalistic where the hormones kick in and, and, um, and we begin to think and pursue that. Um, and, you know, that's going to be typically maybe younger for most people. Um, but even then, uh, sex is contextual. Uh, sex is complex. It takes a lot of things coming together for it to be great. But it's contextual. And to, to be open um, and allow myself to fully, richly, deeply engage requires a relationship that feels safe, a relationship where I feel like I'm going to be honored, a relationship where I feel like you want me, we want each other. And that does require um, looking beyond just this moment. Um, for animals that are, you know, if Linus is an estrus, he doesn't have to do very much to seduce her. Her body is driving this, um, this encounter. For us as humans, uh, our body doesn't have near as much sway as what's happening in our mind. And so I do like to spend time talking with couples about, well, what seduces you? What draws you forward? 
Um, and sometimes people will push back on that word uh, because it does have a negative connotation. But I like to point out that uh, nobody can be seduced outside of their will. Um, doesn't matter what uh, somebody does in trying to seduce you, Chase. If you're not open to it, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, and so looking at a husband and saying, now, what does your wife do that draws you, that woos you, that seduces you in? And we can have a conversation about what kind of things are, in our field, we'll talk about brakes and accelerators. What kind of things are accelerators that speed up the process, that draw you in, that are um, ways that she can seduce? Often, quite honestly, those are fairly easy to for him to identify, and she generally knows what those are. Um, it can get a little complex in some couples, but it's usually pretty understood. When I look at wives, though, and I say, so um, how does your husband seduce you? Uh, what woos you? What draws you in? Um, you're right. Often those do tend to be more contextual. They tend to be more about what's happening in the setting uh, of their relationship. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving relationship advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero. Dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was hero bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any hero bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H E R O dot C O. Hey, Love Tribe, I have just a few questions for you. 
I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. I'm curious if you have a, a guess as to what the most common thing that I hear from wives uh, in terms of what does wood and what's seductive. Mm, I would say presence, being present with their partner. That's probably number two. So, um, you know, you're, just your first start of, wow, I'm not sure, um, is the most common thing that I hear from people. And that um, attentiveness. One, one husband told me, he came in and sat down. He says, I figured it out. I said, what'd you figure out? He said, I figured out how to turn my wife on. Really? What works? He said, tea. <laughs> he said, what kind? I'm going to go buy stock. Um, he said, the kind doesn't matter. I fix my wife a cup of tea, put it on the table. She loves her tea. He says, I go find her wherever she's at in the house and say, yeah, yeah, that'll wait. Come on. I fix you a cup of tea. Sit down. And he said, and I put my chin in my hand and I lean in and say, so how are you doing really? And he said, I sat there for 30, 45 minutes while she's drinking her cup of tea and just listened to her. And she's sitting next to him and she chuckles and she says, and about the end of that time, I'm grabbing him by the collar and dragging him off to the bedroom because I'm feeling so cherished. So yes, presence is a big one. The number one thing that I hear, though, is something about being a good dad. Um, something about pouring into her kids, something about being uh, one one wife said when he is Papa Bear, um, she said, I've got a toddler and an infant. He came home from work and I'm just drained from managing these two kids. He said, lay down on the couch. He said, let me watch him for a bit. And she says, I'm laying on the couch half awake and he's wrestling with my toddler with one arm and holding and comforting my infant with the other arm. And she said, I looked down at him and said, if we didn't have kids right now, I would jump you. That is so sexy. Um, and him, him learning that, wow, as I care for the kids, as I engage in the home, and as I do parenting stuff, that is wooing to her, that's drawing to her. Of course, she has to be aware of what is wooing, what's seductive to her, and allow it to seduce her. Um, but then we're right back to the communication of how can they talk about those? How can they figure them out and, and offer them and share them with each other? That's part of what puts that setting 
um, in place that allows for a healthy nurturing of a of a good intimate sex relationship. You gave an example of an important conversation to have of asking our partner, what are the brakes? What are the accelerators for you? And understanding that. I think also you alluded to asking, you know, what's an ideal amount of times per week that we connect and have sex would be important to know. And then you might discover it's actually pretty close. What are some other important questions we can ask to understand our partner better and and have a better sex life? I think it starts with just being able to talk well. Um, You know, couples that can't talk about anything are going to struggle with something this intimate. But as they learn how to talk well, um, in our research, 27% of couples did well in talking to each other about sex, which means 73% of them did not. Um, And you're right, some of these techniques can help. Uh, I like to, to have couples start with vision. You know, what would they like? So it's things like you identified. Um, how often, if it were totally up to you? Now, when we ask that question, we have to be careful that we do so with curiosity, that we're open. I'm truly trying to understand you, not I'm setting you up to show you how you're wrong. Um, I'm setting you up to disappoint me or I'm setting you up to um, to be in a place that I'm going to attack you for who you are. Uh, that doesn't create a safe environment for communication. But if we can truly shift into, I love you, we are for each other. Um, I'm curious as to where you're at on this subject. Um, and starting with the vision, how often? And then what kind? You know, is this a nurturing sex that you're looking for? Is it just functional sex? Is it hot erotic sex? Is it playful kind of sex? Is it kinky kind of sex? You know, what kind of sex would you like? for that to be. And we're starting to craft a vision for what both of us would like our sex life to be. Then we can move into more of the functional things like, well, what helps you to get there? You know, those brakes and accelerators. Uh, what types of things in the setting of our relationship uh, help you to be more open to seduction? And then what things do I do that seduce you? Um, and then I talk about, so that's setting and seduction. Then I talk about spark. Uh, what ways do I spark that process for you? Do I get you thinking about it? And um, I like to collect these. Couples come up with some really fun ways that they that they initiate sex with each other, that they spark the process. And uh, we talk a bit about that in one of the chapters in the book um, on different ways that couples can, can help to get the, the process started. And just asking which ones of those work for you and which ones don't. Um, Sometimes I hear some really horrific ways that people try to start up the process and um, getting them problem solving and thinking of something that would work a little bit better. Those are all pretty simple ways that couples can start the process of communicating about sex and just learning what I do and I don't like and being able to share that with you. Well, Dr. Mike, You've given myself and our listeners a lot of great tools and things to think about when it comes to improving our sex lives. So thank you so much for sharing. Before we wrap up, are there any things that we skipped over or maybe something that you want to emphasize before we say goodbye? Um, probably the the issue of pain would be one thing that I would want to to make sure we highlight just a little bit. 
Um, we've seen this pretty heavily in our field, but it showed up in our research as well, that there's a pretty high, many of us are calling it a pain epidemic in the field for women, where 31% of the women, that's almost a third of the women, reported that they experienced pain during sex a third of the time. And 20% of those, at least half the time, and for almost all of those, it dramatically interfered with their ability to experience arousal and to experience pleasure. You know, if somebody knows this event is going to be painful for me, their unconscious brain is already putting up blocks and slamming down the emergency brake and dropping into park. Um, and many times these women are told that the pain is normal or it's uh, between their ears when the problem is between their legs. And uh, one research study said that women need to see six to nine different sexual professionals before they're accurately diagnosed and given a treatment that works. And if the chances of there being people in your audience that are experiencing that is really high. And I would just want to give a bit of encouragement to both the husbands and the wives that this is something that working with a sexual medicine specialist um, we can accurately diagnose it. And most of the time we can get the pain uh, eradicated if not um, down to a very minimal kind of level where it doesn't interfere very often. But it can be so discouraging to these women. So just a bit of encouragement that um, hang in there, find a sexual medicine specialist that is trained and knows what they're doing and um, don't accept this as normal as, um, as okay. That's super valuable and, and surprising. So yeah, and I can imagine it'd be very frustrating to have yeah. to go uh, through that in general, but then just trying to diagnose it. So thank you so much for sharing that. Where can our listeners find you online? Um, my primary website is intimatemarriage.org. And um, there are links from there to um, a host of other resources, or they can find the book at secretsofsexandmarriage.com secretsofsexandmarriage.com and we'll have a lot more of the research linked through uh, the book website as well. Well, thank you, Dr. Mike. Those links can be found in our show notes and on our website. And thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide 
how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com